All right. What's up, man? Dude, how you doing, man? What what a weekend, man. Uh, you know, diving in here to the chaos theory, man, to talk, talk some Major League Baseball. I do want to hone in on that because it, this was a really cool baseball weekend with that. Um, obviously, Texas football, NFL football, uh, all of that cool stuff. But uh, I, I want to – and I'm glad that you're staying on. I'm glad that you're staying on because – you know, obviously, everything that we were watching yesterday, I think with uh, with with the D bags yesterday, I think they were hung over in that game against the Astros yesterday because that they had no punch, <laughs> no punch whatsoever. We're sitting there watching that, and even my wife looks over at me and she said, "They said that Arizona partied last night because they got into the playoffs, and it was pretty obvious right there." But the the Astros taking care of business, they went to win the AL West. But BK, those Rangers, dude, this. <laughs> They didn't win the AL West, but I, I think the bigger story here for me is, you know, with with Bruce Bochy and, and Mike Maddox and these guys that have come in. I mean, that, I mean, you look at the records prior to this year; they're in the playoffs, dude. That this is this is a huge achievement for the Rangers franchise. You talked about it being a fun baseball weekend. It was more fun for you and the misses being Astros fans than it was for me <laughs> being a Rangers fan. But yeah, look, the, if you would have told me before the season started that the Rangers were going to be in the playoffs, I would have told you you're crazy. But yeah. I would have signed up for it in a heartbeat. So felt like they could have put the icing on a really, really good regular season with a win yesterday and a division title. But uh, still, for the Rangers to improve, I mean, they were you know, one of the worst teams in baseball last year. For them to make it to the playoffs, win 90 games in the first year of the Bruce Bochy era, and also considering all the injuries that they had too, right? Yeah. Like the fact that they lost Jacob DeGrom a month into the season, the fact that Avaldi missed a lot of time, the fact that Seager had a couple of different stints. Uh, I'm not saying you should feel bad for the Rangers, but they uh, they overcame some things, and for them to find their way, into the playoffs, all in all, pretty impressive. But obviously, you feel like they let a, a golden opportunity yeah. slip away over the weekend. And the Astros, credit to them. They do what they do at this time of the year. They find ways to win games that they need to win. They did that. And, you know, for the, uh, what, sixth, seventh, seventh. consecutive full season, seventh. they uh, they yeah. are American League West champions. Yeah. And now the real test begins, but, but I mean, seriously, back, back to the, back to the Rangers thing. I mean, you go 20, 2021, 60 and one Oh two. I mean, that that's horrible. Then you go 68, 94. I mean, you're getting better. Then you make the changes in the organization right there. You, you bring Bruce Bochy in and just that fast, you go 90 and 72 and you've put yourselves in the playoffs. And, and, and I think, you know, it's going to be a tall task right there. Uh, whoever's going to, you know, into the wild card round. I mean, that, that, that's more, ball games I mean all of that but here's the other thing that I thought was really impressive about the weekend and especially yesterday with everything going on I, I thought it was just uh, so dramatic that you had the Astros and the Rangers playing they, they both started at 210 so you're just kind of sitting there going back and forth with all this NFL and me with Talladega uh, all these different things that are that are going on right there and and you sit and you watch this how about Seattle I mean, because I saw a lot of stuff online towards like Seattle's going to lay an egg. They don't give a shit. They don't whatever. Uh, I mean, hell, Seattle, Seattle came out and and they did what you do when you were a professional athlete. You go out there and you finish the job. And, and they had a freaking great season as well, man. They came out of nowhere, out of nowhere. I mean, I was thinking about this yesterday. I mean, when you looked at the AL West before we ever got started this season, it's like the Astros and who the hell else knows what's going to happen. But damn, one of the best divisions in Major League Baseball, and that's pretty damn cool. Yeah, including Oakland, right? Like, even yeah. with the A's being <laughs> almost yeah. historically bad, the AOS, especially when the Angels were kind of relevant, which they were mm -hmm. for the first 
know, three months of the season. Uh, yeah, this was a really, really good division. And hell, anytime a division race goes down to the final day of the regular season, you know, it's pretty special. So, uh, yeah, you talk about the D-bags looking hungover. The Rangers looked hungover. I don't, I don't think they partied as much as Arizona did on Saturday night, but the Rangers popped some champagne uh, after winning on Saturday in Seattle because that was the win that clinched a playoff spot. Uh, they kind of looked like you know they didn't have that same juice or motivation that they needed to have, and they were lethargic. So, yeah, look, give Seattle credit. They didn't have anything to play for, but like you said, they're professional athletes. It was fan appreciation day, last game of the season. They wanted to show mm -hmm. their support to the fans, and uh, they they obviously came to play, and the Rangers just didn't have the juice. So, uh, yeah, fun fun regular season, man. I mean, it feels like all is right with the world because the Astros yeah. won the AL West, but at least this was entertaining. I mean, in years past, the Astros, by the start of August, have had this division locked up, and uh, the fact that, yeah, we, we got 162 really, really entertaining games in this division made it for a heck of a regular season and now we'll uh, we'll see how it goes in October. Yeah, it really was. I mean, it was really it's really cool especially we were talking about this last week Wags and I that you get down to the end of the season right here and that you have relevant baseball happening before you get into the playoffs. And and that's a lot of times when the NFL starts and college football it just kind of overshadows everything that's going on with MLB until you get to October and and you know the playoff stuff. But this has really been fun to watch. This has really been fun to watch and um I would love your thoughts because I know that you have covered the Astros and of course, I'm an Astros guy. I mean, I make no bones about that. But having watched this team throughout the year, I mean, the one thing that that I go back to, I, I have just harped on, you know, the bullpen. The bullpen's been an issue. I know it's been a bull, an issue for the Rangers as well. But now that we get in here, the inconsistent hitting, and, and I mean, what's so cool about the Astros to me is it's guys like Chaz McCormick. It's guys like Jeremy Pena. It's guys like Jake Myers. I, I mean, it's these guys that are really starting to have an uh, impact on these games. And I mean, even Finally, Jose Abreu's waking up here, you, you know, with RBIs and so forth. It's about damn time with the way he's getting paid. But um, I would love your thoughts with this. As as the year is gone, do you think this is good with, with the Astros getting some time off? I mean, at least until Saturday. Is this what this team needs to get the to get the pitching staff back in order? I mean, Justin Verlander. I mean, the, these guys. I mean, Jose Arquiti. Is this what they need? Or do you think that after all of this has gone on, this layoff is something momentum is so important in sports and I talk about it all the time, but do you think this is what they need or you, do, do you think this might hurt them actually going into the playoffs? Yeah, I, I think it's less of a rest versus rust debate for the Astros and more mm -hmm. of a home versus road debate, right? Like, like would the Astros have been better served to be a wild card team? So they would have played more games away from Minute Maid Park because they have really struggled really all season long, but especially in the last month of the season, felt like they couldn't win a game at home. And they, you know, you kind of thought they had the division wrapped up a couple of weeks ago, but then the Royals come into Houston and sweep the Astros and it opens the door up for the Rangers. I mean, let's be honest. It kind of felt like neither team wanted to win the AL West. Yeah. Like if there were three more days in the regular season, I think the Astros would have choked it right back to the Rangers. They just, the Rangers had the last chance to give it up and they gave it up, but, uh, look, obviously you take the rest and you would think the Astros can figure it out at home. Uh, but yeah, it's just so weird how bad they've been at Minute Maid this season. I do think they're better served, though, getting those extra days off. They get to set the rotation the way that they want it. 
And uh, obviously, yeah, they'll, they'll play a tired team. The winner of that Minnesota-Toronto series will be tired. They'll have to start maybe their number three or number four pitcher while the Astros will get to go with JV or Fromm or whoever they decide. So it's uh, it's always advantage division winner when you're talking about this format in uh, the MLB playoffs. Yeah, I, I really like this setup here for for Houston. Um, I like how this works out. I, I know we we have laughed on this program, Chaos Theory, uh, about how about how bad the the Twins are. And, and you know, the Twins have been cruising right here. It's like you know, I, I, I've made the uh, kind of I've said the Twins are just cruising down three sixty. You know, smoking a cigarette and, and having a roadie like Bucky talks about, and all of this, just kind of doing their own thing right here. They get the Blue Jays coming in, and that um, you know that that that's how it's going to set up for Houston. And I'm I'm curious to see how this all works out for them. I mean, and then on the NL side, you know, with with you know the Diamondbacks getting in, they're going to take on the Brewers and the Phillies and the Marlins and all of that. I, this is going to be some fun wild card stuff right here. This this is good baseball, dude. This is yeah. really good baseball. I know. I'm, I don't want to tell anyone to not pay attention to football because, of course, you should be paying attention to football, especially considering how good the Longhorns are right now. Yeah. But. Don't forget to check in on baseball. Like, obviously, if you're an Astros or Rangers fan, you'll be locked in. You don't need me to tell you that. But if you're just a neutral sports fan, like, don't forget how good postseason baseball is. And this year feels like it uh, It will be special. So, you know, the Astros almost had the perfect day yesterday, Roddy. There was something that happened that prevented the Astros from having the perfect day and the perfect weekend. Toronto losing to Tampa Bay, I think, is bad for the Astros. Mm. Because if the Blue Jays beat the Rays. That would have meant the Rangers would have been the five or the six seed and the Blue Jays would have been the five seed. Mm -hmm. So the Astros would have gone up against the winner of the twins and the Rangers. You're talking about two of the biggest playoff chokers in sports. I mean, the the, the twins, they don't win playoff games. Like I think they won a playoff game a couple of years ago for the first time in 20 years. They never win series. And then the Rangers, sadly, as a Rangers guy, uh, we know what the Rangers do in the month of October. So he had a chance. It's like, Oh man, like we get the winner of that series. Like, Oh, this is great. I think Toronto is a problem. Like I think, I think the Astros, I'm picking the Astros to win the AL. I think they're the best team in the AL. Sorry, Wags, but you're not here today. So I can dunk on you a little bit. Um, I think Toronto is number two. So like that, that second round, or I guess first round for the Astros, but that DS series, uh, second series for Toronto, that scares me more than just about anybody the Astros could have gone up against. So, mm-hmm. uh, look, the Astros will take it. They'll take the division title. They'll laugh at Rangers fans. They'll enjoy the days off. As our guy Ike says, set the rotation, rest the bullpen. Yeah, uh, plenty of good for the Astros. But I expect Toronto to beat Minnesota, and I expect Toronto to give the Astros all that they can handle in that best of five. Yeah, I agree. And Toronto, again, a great story right there with the, Toronto and Seattle. I mean, those have been two of the best stories in Major League Baseball all year. I mean, to watch to watch the resilient, resilience of both of those teams, if you want to call that, to watch them get back into the fight right here and become a factor at the end of this thing and to get them, well, not Seattle, but but to get themselves in the playoffs. And yes, that 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 I'm extremely concerned about Toronto, uh, Baltimore. I don't, I don't really know what to, to, to make of that group. I mean, it's a great story. I I love, I love that, that they're able to get back into the playoffs. They've got a great group together. And like Wags talks about, it's going to be really hard. It's going to be really hard to keep that core group together and to keep that team, um, you know, intact with that, you know, with a, with a mid market team like that. I mean, you know, that, that, that the big market teams are going to come chasing after some of that talent right there. That's, 
what's going to happen right there. So for Baltimore, I, I do hope this continues. But but the Toronto thing, yeah, the Minnesota, you know, gone are the days of Kirby Puckett and and all of that. You know, when when they could actually, um, you know, win series and win World Series and all of that. That 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 is totally gone right here. But I, I think that is setting up right there. I, I think when you get to the Astros and the Blue Jays series, if that happens, I mean, that's a big if right there. If that happens right there, that's going to be probably one of the best postseason baseball series that you're going to see this year because they're they're just going to go they're just going to go hammer and chain at each other right there and that's uh it's probably going to go the distance. Um, I tend to agree with you. I think that that's where the, the you know the Astros that that winning pedigree that I always talk about. I mean they, they've been here, they know how to do this, and when you solidify the the rotation, bringing Justin Verlander back in. I mean even though you know Verlander is always going to give you that one inning where you. You're like, what the hell is he doing? But I think everything is stacked up there nicely. Now you've got guys hitting the baseball. You've got Jose Altuve and Kyle Tucker. I mean, Kyle Tucker is just so underrated. I mean, I know a lot of folks talk about Kyle Tucker. That is one bad some bitch right there because that dude, when you talk about clutch, that dude is so clutch when you see him come up to bat. And hell, now he's wearing batting gloves. It's like he finally put the batting gloves on, and now it's like he's gotten even better and more <laughs> clutch with what he does. Yeah, yeah, King Tuck, right? He started the year with no batting gloves. And in the past, if he slumps, he puts the batting gloves on. And then if it doesn't work, he goes back to, you know, the bare bones. But, uh, yeah, the batting gloves have been working for him this season. And, look, the Astros are loaded, man. And and this is what they do. This is their time of the year. So, to me, it's kind of like Georgia and football, right? Bucky and I were talking about it. Like, Georgia has not been the best team in college football this year but they're still number one and they're still the favorites because of what they've done the past couple of years. That's where I am with the Astros. Like the Astros have clearly not been the best team in baseball this year uh, doing radio down there for most of the season. They, they it's been a roller coaster ride and there have been some issues that have plagued this bunch this year that didn't plague last year's team or the 2017 team or even the 2019 team. But uh, this is their time of the year. So like until proven otherwise, I'm going to assume the Astros are the favorites in the American league and that's where I'm at right now. They still have the talent. They still have the experience. And, uh, yeah, I think you know they swept through the AL in the playoffs last year. So this is what they do. This is their time of the year. I still feel good about their chances, even though record-wise they weren't the same as what they have been. Yeah, well, and then you got the man with the toothpick. You got Dusty Baker over there. Yeah, the, well, the- you know, I'm, I'm sorry to the Astros fans out there that the Astros won the AL West because – there's another thing Dusty can put on his resume, which makes it tougher for y'all to get rid of him. Because every Astros fan is ready to fire Dusty. And yeah. it's like, oh, they won the World Series last year in spite of that guy. And they're good in spite of that guy. Yeah. So I'm sorry to y'all that he had to go out there and win another division. I, I know you're rooting against that dude, but uh, he he got the job done again. Yeah, dude just keeps on winning. And I'm glad you mentioned Georgia. I'm glad you mentioned Georgia because I want to talk college football, obviously, here with Texas. But... I also want to talk about the great folks, my man, Tom McKay, over at Audiovisual Consultations. Because right now, I mean, just what we're talking about right here, you got all this college football, you got the NFL, you've got, I mean, playoff baseball starts tomorrow, for crying out loud, tomorrow afternoon. Hey, you get yourself a home theater set up. I mean, no matter what you're looking for, the best time of the year right here. Um, this is the time where you need to get a hold of Tom McKay and our friends at Audiovisual Convert, uh, Consultations. They'll set that home TV set up. Uh, stop, stop spending money and going to all these big box places and trying to chase down TVs and, and do your own cabling and do all this stuff. I, I've done that. 
I've done that. And, and I can tell you, you can come in and look at some of the stuff that I've done in here and it looks horrible. It looks horrible. I need to get Tom in here. I've got wires everywhere and I've got stuff kind of, kind of trying to mask it and all that. That's not what you get when you get Tom McKay and his folks out there to set up your home theater system. What it doesn't with the, with the surround sound. I mean, they're, they're going to hook all of that up and they're going to, uh, to, to do all of that the way that you want it. They can even hook you up with an outdoor system, all of that. You go to places like pluckers all around Austin and the surrounding areas. It's Tom McKay and his folks that are putting all of that together. They've been doing it since 1988. 1988, my friends. This is not a fly-by-night thing like all these people knocking on my door that want to replace my roof and want to fix my car after the hail damage that I had to go through last week. It's mm. Tom McKay and the great folks at Audiovisual Consultations, 255-8678-AVConsultations.com. Call them. They will come out. You tell them what they want, what you want, and they'll hook you up right there and get you done. Tom McKay. We love that dude. I'll tell you, yes, he is, we do. he's just a good dude. Okay, BK, this Texas game on Saturday, I'm sitting there watching the the, the first half of this and, and, and you get into the half and, and I'm going to tell you the, the one thing that I'm taking a lot of um, what I really like to see with this Texas team is you don't, I mean, 13 to seven at the half. I mean, total yardage was great. I mean, all of that was there, but what you don't see with this Texas team, you don't see discombobulated confusion, which is, it seems like what we've seen in the past. I mean, if you start the game out slow, what, whatever may be happening right there, you look at this Texas group and, and, and a lot of times it was kind of deer in the headlights look, uh, for, from the head coach on, but what you're really seeing right here, dude, I am so impressed that these guys, this program is able to play a complete football game. And that's something that has lacked in the past. And man, you, you start thinking about this moving forward as we get into conference play and you, you start getting into, you know, the playoffs or what, whatever may be the path for this team. When you see a complete ball game, to me, that's the biggest change in this program yeah. is that you're able to finish games. And, and that's that's been a problem in the past. Yeah, it has been. And I don't know if Saturday was a complete football game for Texas, sure. but what you said about the second half is dead on. Like that's the biggest difference between Texas football now versus last year versus year one of the Stark era versus Tom Herman versus Charlie strong. This is a second half team and they've been able to time and time again, put teams away in the second half. Obviously they did it in impressive fashion at Alabama in the second game of the season. But yeah, you think of the home games, right? They've played three games at DKR all three of them a little bit closer on the scoreboard in the first half than we would have liked. But, hey, when it matters most, Texas was able to step up and make the plays to pull away down the stretch. So, yeah, Sark, throughout most of his coaching career, forget just the first two years in Austin, he's kind of lost the battle of adjustments in-game. Yeah. And that's not mm -hmm. happening this year. Like, he's pushing the right buttons. Obviously, PK's doing it on defense. But the coaching staff as a whole – they're just pushing the right buttons. They're winning the battle of adjustments against the other coaches on the other sideline more often than not. That's a huge part of why Texas is 5-0. and So, yeah, this it's more complete than it's been in the past. But what they're doing in the second halves of these games is really, really impressive. They are just wearing teams down. And that's why not only are they 5-0, and they've got five double-digit wins. They've got two wins by double digits against ranked teams yep. and their average margin of victory right now is like 23 or 24. Like they are just running away and hiding from these teams in the second half. And it is quite a pleasant change of pace from what we have seen.
I mean, it really is. And, and, and I like the balance. I mean, even in the first half, I mean, obviously, you, you know, like I was saying, halftime score 13, seven, whatever, but, but, but you really, you really see a, a balance of no nonsense football right there is, is what they're doing. And again, no, no panic, no, none of that. I mean, you're just taking care of business. I, I was actually watching that. And the one thing that I thought in the first half is sitting there watching them, even though, you know, obviously we, you would have wanted uh, a larger halftime score, but it really looked like kind of going back to baseball terms, what Texas was doing in the first half, they're just playing small ball right there, you know, with the little dump offs, running the ball and, and doing different things right there. Man, I love that. I love that. that there's no need to go out there and, and do stuff that's going to get you in trouble, that, that you're finding rhythm. I mean, they're, they're letting Quinn Ewers find his rhythm and, and, and just dictate how the game is going to be, you know, run on the offensive side. But I think it's a hell of a lot easier to do that when you've got a defense like Texas has right now that is just locking people down. I mean, we're talking about, you know, great defense in the Big 12. I mean, honestly, BK, to me, you, you start looking nationwide. This is one of the best damn defenses that you're going to find in the country right now with what's going on there with PK and the Texas defense. Yeah, no, you're right. You're dead on. And look, I know Texas caught a bit of a break with Jalen Daniels not being able to sure. go on Saturday, but now this defense, like they gave up those two big plays and they've given up more big plays this year than I think PK would like. But I mean, Kansas didn't run a snap at the Texas 35 yard line until there were three minutes left in the game. Like mm -hmm. that's ridiculous. Obviously the two long touchdowns came from more than 35 yards out. You want those to get cleaned up, but now this group has just been dominant, especially up front. The D line figured it was the strength of the team going into the year. And it has been that, and that's, a big part of why Texas has been able to play so well in the second half is the depth that they have on the defensive front because they're yeah. just rotating guys all game long, and there's not a big drop-off. There's hardly any drop-off between starters and backups, and Texas is able to just keep its guys fresh, and they're able to wreak havoc for all four quarters of a football game. So, yeah, this defense, man, they're playing so well, and they're making adjustments too. Like Kansas had some success early in the game, running the football with that triple option attack. Hell, the first play of the game was like a 26-yard run on the yeah. option, and then it's just as the game wore on, PK making adjustments, the players obviously doing their jobs too, and they're able to slow down that Kansas rushing attack. And once they got to a big lead, like Jason Bean, no chance, no chance he was good enough to overcome that. So, yeah, this defense, you're right, man. It's, it's not just great for the Big 12. It is one of the very, very best in college football and, uh, yeah, they've, they've gone up against some pretty good offenses this season and have been able to uh, step up to the plate and shut the door. So it's been fun to watch. Obviously, another test coming up this week, and they'll have a few more tests this season. But, man, they, uh, they look really, really good. And I think every Texas fan is confident in that side of the football. Yeah, no doubt. And, of course, we will break it down all week right here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. And, of course, on-site right there. BK talked about it on the morning show. Going to be on-site right there at Fair Park with your pregame show as Texas takes on Oklahoma in the Red River Shootout. you damn right we say shootout on here. Plus, the, the other one's like a tongue twister. It's like, man, I, I can't say that. Red River Shootout is what's going on on Saturday. But on that defensive side, you know, with – with, you know, John Day Barron and, and Baron Sorrell. I mean, it, it's all these guys, you know, we talk about it on 
the offensive side to where, uh, you know, mixing in receivers and using different receivers and not using the same three receivers. You see it the same on the defensive side to where it's, it, it, it's a lot of different guys and a lot of really talented players that are coming out and making plays. And that's what's really making this defense so scary is that uh, you never know who's coming at you. Uh, I mean, you never know who's coming at you. But, you know, mm-hmm. the other part of that, I mean, a lot of this, uh, I mean, you look, you look at magical runs in sports. I don't care if it's in the NFL. I don't care if it's college football, MLB, you know, whatever. Magical runs, a lot of times, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a lot of luck. It's going to take a lot of breaks. A lot of different things have to fall in place. You can talk about natural talent and, and uh, you, know, uh, you know, maybe an easier schedule. There's lots of different ways to look at it. But when you, when I'm, what I'm talking about with the luck thing is, dude, it's like Texas plays an opponent their freaking starting quarterback can't play, man. It's yeah. it's like three times in a row. And I and I man, I, I really, I really wanted to see Jalen Daniels because I think Jalen Daniels was going to be a great test for this Texas offense. Best quarterback that they faced so far. Uh no offense to to, to Milrow. This was going to be a great test for them. But I heard you allude to it and I saw it, you know, watching film in the past, you watch this dude. A lot of times he gets up and he kind of stretching back here and kind of reaching for his back and all of that. But I got to say, man, I'd like to give, I'd like to give, um, some credit to the opposition. Jason Bean did a pretty damn good job starting out to come in there. Cause you're, you're just thrust into this thrust yeah. into this, facing this defense. He, he, he did a pretty damn good job starting out. Yeah. Look, there's, there's always a drop off between starting quarterback and backup quarterback, but Jason Bean is one of the better backup quarterbacks in college football. Like mm-hmm. he started some games at UNT before transferring from Denton to Lawrence and then started a few games last year when Jalen Daniels got hurt and he, he was okay. Like he's not Jalen Daniels, but uh, he's one of the better backup quarterbacks in, in college football. So uh, yeah, now for Texas to do what it did defensively was impressive. And back to your earlier point, like, What's the saying? It's better to be lucky than good. You damn right. I said it this morning. It's better to be both. Like, Texas is lucky and good. So yeah, you feel like their run of going up against backup quarterbacks is coming to an end this Saturday because Dylan Gabriel is 100% healthy. He didn't play last year against the Longhorns, but by all accounts, he's going to play this weekend. So yeah, that part of the luck is going to run out. You would think for Texas, but uh, this team's really, really good. Like I don't think they would have lost to Wyoming if Wyoming had its starting quarterback. I don't think they would have lost to Baylor if Blake Shapin was playing. And unless Jalen Daniels could have played linebacker, I don't think Texas would have lost on Saturday to Kansas, even if he was out there. So that's the good news. It's not like, oh, man, Texas is escaping these teams. And shoot, if the other teams had their backup quarterback, then maybe we would have lost. Now we're talking about three blowout victories when it was all said and done to where it's like, okay, yeah, Texas is catching good breaks. You can't argue against that. But this team's also really, really freaking good to where – I think you still feel really good about this team's chances to beat any starting quarterback that they are going to have to face. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, this really is a good football team. I mean, this is a program that is, I mean, the mindset is right. I mean, all of this, everything seems to be right. You know, from top to bottom, it really seems like everything has, has, I don't want to say fallen into place. It's been built into the right uh, into the right place and it's about damn time because we've been waiting for this for so long i mean you see this team come out yeah down the road i mean and again not not putting the cart before the horse i mean obviously with the shootout coming up on saturday you know in dallas that, that that's going to be that's going to be a bloodbath right there i mean this is going to be this is going to be a texas oklahoma game that 
that is very traditional. I mean, they haven't been undefeated, I guess, since 2008. Here they come. They're both ranked in the top 20. Texas is, is number three for now. And, and you know, that, that brings up another question. I mean, watching college football throughout the, throughout the weekend, it, it, it really does bring up the question, and we'll dive into it later in the week as we kind of, you know, kind of dig in more to, to the Red River shootout. But, I, you know, when, when you look at the, the top teams in college football right now, I mean, you can see Georgia's struggling. Georgia is absolutely struggling. Michigan is, is beating up on, you know, you can kind of question some of that right there. I mean, USC. I mean, USC this past yeah. weekend, my goodness. I mean, you let you let Coach Prime in Colorado get back into that contest right there, and and you you end up winning, you know, forty eight to forty one, and that's that's something. I mean, everybody, you know, t- take the points. I mean, uh, USC is going to destroy these guys, but they let they let. Colorado get back in the game and the defense is for USC is a little questionable right there. And, and this is kind of going back to looking at Texas on a, on a, on a national front to me, Texas. I mean, you can make a legitimate argument, legitimate argument. They've got, they've got the biggest win. They've got the biggest win of all of these, you know, top 10, five teams, whatever you want to call it right here. Yeah. You can make a legit argument that Texas is the best team in the country. It seems like to me. Yeah, once again, 5-0, and all five wins by double digits, yep. two wins over ranked opponents by double digits. The average margin of victory is 23. I mean, if you're just looking at this year, then you absolutely can make that case, and that's a really cool case to be able to make because it's been a long time since we've been able to say anything close to that with this Texas football team. So, yeah, man, it's fun. I mean, this, this Saturday will be another test, of course, but uh, as of this moment, this is the last ranked opponent that the Longhorns will play this year. Now, I think Kansas State is going to do enough to where they'll find themselves back into the top 25 by the time the Longhorns play that game. But, man, I mean, there are already Texas fans, and it's not just Texas fans. It's it's national folks oh, saying yeah. that this is a team that's going to be in the CFP this year. But if you win this weekend, then it's like it, it's going to be impossible not to put the cart before the horse because right. the schedule really, really opens up after this one and you know texas is favored this week but they're what five or six point favorites right now they're going to be double digit favorites in the vast majority of the games that they have beyond dallas yeah yeah i i listen and read you know stuff all day long you know with different stuff and and it's like national pundits are putting texas right there in the mix and there's there's a lot of folks you know what comes to the playoffs i mean and, and there's a lot of folks that's, that are saying texas is the best and and you know, like I said, there there are going to be no, nobody. I mean, Georgia, uh, Georgia's not winning big. I mean, Georgia's not dominant. USC had been, but apparently they don't look dominant. I mean, with with the Notre Dame game, and what a game that was. Fourth and what was that? Fourth and seventeen. Fourth and sixteen. Sixteen. Yep. Quarterback takes off. Man, you want to talk about? And here, here. Here's the old dude coming out in me. How about the Notre Dame quarterback going over to check on on Duke's guy? That good bit, that right there. That uh, that's yeah. a really good bit right there. It's like okay, okay, yeah, yeah. You know, this is this is a game, but damn it, it's good to see some of that heartfelt stuff happening right here. But there, there's not really anybody that jumps out off the screen. I mean, I mean, I know you're going to get the Michigan thing, other than Texas. I mean, Texas is really the one putting themselves in a spot. And again, BK, it's about damn time. My goodness. We've been uh, waiting for this a long time. And it's, and I think it's finally time. I mean, Jonathan Brooks, 21 carries 218 yards. Come on. Just say he's the guy. Shit. What are we waiting for here? 
That that's your bell cow. That's your guy right there. Yep. Sark doesn't have to actually say it. He's saying yeah. it with his actions. I mean, Brooks is the bell cow. He's the number one running back on this team. And, you know, you wonder how or why he didn't start the year as the number one running back on the team. But you also realize that it doesn't matter. I've made this comp before, like TCU last year, they didn't start Max Duggan. He was the backup. He lost yeah. a job in camp to Chandler Morris. Morris gets hurt the first game. Duggan takes over, and then he's the Heisman runner-up, and TCU plays for the national title. Like it happens. It's uh, You shouldn't hold that one against Sark or this coaching staff too much. The good news is they figured it out that Jonathan Brooks is the best running back on this team, and they figured out that this offense is a lot better when Jonathan Brooks is toting the rock. So he's yeah. been awesome, man. He's third in the country in rushing yards despite – not doing much the first couple of games, despite not starting the season as the starter. He is third in college football in rushing yards, averaging about seven yards a carry. And, uh, boy, he owns Kansas. I mean, he played well against Kansas last year, coming off the bench for Bijan and Rojo. He had 100 yards plus in that game. And then, obviously, against the Hawks this year, going for 200-plus. You mentioned the stat line. Yeah, he is uh, one of the very best in all of college football. He's got a shot. To, uh, to be in the conversation for the Doak Walker Award. Hell, he's already in the conversation, yeah. but at the end of the year, he's got a chance to uh, be another Texas running back to win that award. This dude is that good right now. Well, and the other part about that, you know, I've talked about it in the past, is like ride the hot hand. I mean, take don't, don't worry about hurting feelings and switching guys out and, and doing all of that. I mean, if, if you've got a guy that's good, that, that is your bell cow that is doing what Jonathan Brooks is doing, yeah, get C.J. Baxter, get Jaden Blue, get these guys some touches, but there's no need to pull them out just, just to do the right thing, you know, just to and, – and, and again, that, that's kind of that mind shift difference that we're seeing with the Texas program and the coaching staff to where it's like okay if it ain't broke don't fix it this is the guy that is that I mean 20 carries I mean give him 20 carries I mean and, and that's great okay. it, it, it's good to have a fleet of running backs but shit if you have one that is uh doing what 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 Jonathan Brooks is doing that, that there's no need to to be shifting and pulling you know guys out I mean that's uh football 101 football yeah. 101 in my opinion right there yeah, Baxter's good obviously he sure. had that nice one-handed catch on that third down on the screen where he broke attack like he shows you that okay He's going to be a special player, but right now, yeah, Jonathan Brooks has been in the program for a few years. He's a couple of years older. His body's more developed, and he got to learn from Bijan and Rojo. Like he's better right now. Uh, Baxter's going to get some touches. I'm cool with that, and I think a couple of years from now, we're going to be talking about C.J. Baxter being one of the best running backs in the country. But yeah, Brooks right now averaging 120 yards per game. Uh, he's he's just really really talented he does everything well the vision is good he's patient when he needs to be yeah. but he also hits the hole hard he's got that breakaway speed too that you look for right the home run hitting ability Sark talked about that after the game that's you know three games in a row where Jonathan Brooks has had a 50 plus yard run like that's yeah. huge to have in your offensive weaponry if your running back can pick you up explosive plays too like he is the total package right now and it's uh it really is fun to watch and this offense is a lot better because of him yeah. Yep. Had a long run of 67 and two touchdowns on Saturday. So not uh, not a bad thing at all right there. I am curious to see uh, coming up uh, Sark's uh, uh, press conference at 11 a.m. or somewhere around there whenever he gets there for crying out loud. Yeah. Uh, curious to see the status of JT Sanders. That That's something I think going into the Oklahoma game. Um, when, when I saw him go out, I mean, that, that obviously he didn't, uh, you know, what wasn't a factor there in this contest, you know, needing him there, but I think moving forward, going into the Oklahoma 
Oklahoma game, this is, I mean, it's going to be imperative if you have him. His availability, I think, is going to be something that we're watching here throughout the week. Um, hopefully it's something to where he's going to be able to get back out on the field and and be able to be a part of this contest on Saturday because he, he can he, he can be a game changer in a game like this, BK. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's one of the best tight ends in the country. He's one of the biggest mismatches in the country. And um, I, I don't know if Texas needs him to beat Oklahoma, but you sure as hell would like to have him, have him. for all the reasons you talked about. And, and here's Sark from Saturday. So you said it. He'll meet with the media in a little bit. That matters more. That's the more recent update. But Sark obviously was asked about JT Sanders, who left that game against Kansas with an ankle injury. And here's what Sark had to say a couple of days ago. Uh, he got rolled up. Um, you know, uh, we're, we're hopeful we're going to get him back by next week. Um, you know, it's going to – how does he respond? You know, it's not anything that we think is truly a structural. It's not a broken bone or a torn ligament or something, but how bodies respond is how they respond, you know? And so I know our medical staff and he will do all the work that they can to get him as healthy as they can uh, and see if he's going to be able to play or not next week. We'll find out. Um, we just didn't feel like I was, you know, we kind of watched him run on the sidelines and we just didn't feel like it was going to be in his best interest to, to put him back out there in kind of the state that he was in. Huh, somebody with an obnoxious cough at the end yeah, of that. What's up with that, man? It's like what was going on there. They need to go to 7-Eleven and get some th throat lozenges or something. <laughs> like that. Hey, I got to tell you, BK, so, so the other night I hadn't done high school football in a long time, so I get done with a game over at the Palace, and so I'm driving home, and I'll be damn right there at the corner of 1431 and Brushy Creek Road is my 7-Eleven that I There did. you go. Went in there, got me a pizza, came home, ate half of it. May have got a six-pack of beer, but I'll tell you, 7-Eleven, great folks right there taking care of us right there. Come on all, all the good stuff. Speaking yeah. of speaking of great sponsors, we got to talk about, uh, I mean, our friends over at Covert BK, Dan Covert in that group. Man, the Covert family since 1909, not seven. 1909 they have been doing it uh it's one of those austin texas staples right there when you think about uh, great uh, great families and great uh, businesses in in old austin that have uh, been able to uh continue to hang around and you know why they hang around because they do a hell of a good job of satisfying their customers their customer service is exceptional and when you go to covered b cave it's 42 acres out in the beautiful hill country hell Go out to Covert Bee Cave and just enjoy the drive when you're making your way out there, man. It, it's so gorgeous to see everything out there. You got three state-of-the-art dealerships out there, and they carry seven different brands of those OEMs that I like to talk about. The Buicks, the GMCs, the Caddies, the Chrysler, the Dodge, the Jeep, and the Ram. And, of course, if you were looking for the Blue Oval Ford or the Chevy Bowtie, you can head out, uh, right out my way down 79. Covert Hutto right there, just a short drive, hop them, hop them, hippos, and Covert Ford Lincoln in Austin. You can check them out as well. Covert Bee Cave, they also service all makes and models of your family truckster. Don't be over there trying to change the oil. Don't get in there. Uh, BK, I tried to change the, the cabin filter in my car one day. And I broke half the shit trying to get it out of the glove box. I'm like, I am not doing this stuff. I'm taking it to people that know what the hell they're doing. And of course, Covert BK will do it for you. 68 service bays. So it's not going to be like going to the, you know, down the road place where they have two service bays and wrapped around the block. You're not going to have to make a whole day out of it. <laughs> CovertBK.com. Check them out for weekly specials, weekly specials, not just flag day specials, not just, uh, you know, you pick the holiday specials. They do them every week. CovertBK.com. Or better yet, if you don't want to get online, just stop by. Just stop by and see the folks right there. And uh, we 
Love those folks. They're great supporters right here of TSU, Texas Sports Unfiltered. It is our friends at Covert B Cave. So let's dive in. Let's talk about the Dallas Cowboys, BK. Sure. Because, uh, you know, obviously last week, you know, you're still kind of in shell shock after what was going on right there. But, but again, we're watching kind of the same thing that I'm talking about with college football. We see Kansas City struggle a little bit uh, last night against the Jets. Although the Jets' defense is pretty damn good, I, I got to say that that, that w- wasn't really a question. Um, Miami, uh, they were world beaters. Uh, Buffalo, <laughs> how about that? Yeah. Uh, that happens. But the Cowboys, this this looked like the Cowboys team that we watched in the first couple of weeks of the season, and you watch them come out, and and obviously the defense is exceptional. But I've said it for so long, and I would love your thoughts as, as a Cowboy dude. You you follow the Cowboys. That's that's kind of your team right there. But I, I I know folks have gotten all over my tail when I say that that you have to make this offense a little more conducive to the skills of Dak Prescott. And it really looks like that's what's happening right now. I, I mean, when this guy's having to go balls out and, and trying to, to, to do stuff when he's trailing by 21 points in the fourth quarter. That's when he gets in trouble. That's when he makes mistakes right now. But this offense with Mike McCarthy, it really seems to be built to where you're going to utilize the skills of Dak Prescott and allow him to do things like I was talking about. Small ball in the short game. It looks like they have finally figured out an offense here that's going to make Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott now, now that he's not able to run around and do all the different things he did the first couple of years, this seems to be an offense that's really fit for the skills of Dak Prescott right now. Uh, yeah, you still feel like Dak's a little hesitant to take off and run, oh, right? We've dude. seen it two or three different times this year where on his own read, if Dak just kept it, it'd be a touchdown. Instead, he hands it off and the running back gets met right in the backfield yeah. or right at the line of scrimmage. So he's still a little hesitant to run like he did in college, like he did early in his NFL career. Uh, You need to keep him healthy. So it's not the worst thing in the world. You obviously could get away with it against the Patriots yesterday, but uh, you'd like for that to be there uh, this coming Sunday against San Francisco. But, hey, the Cowboys, Rodney, you know I love you, right? Oh, yeah. I got to put you on blast a little bit here. Oh, hell, here we go. Because, and I had a text typed up to respond to you last week, but I didn't do it. I wanted to be nice. (laughs) After the Cowboys lost that game to Arizona, and it was embarrassing. And they got punked by one of the worst teams in football, and they had no business losing that game, and they lost it badly as a a 12-and-a-half-point favorite. You're like, shame on me for buying into this Cowboys team again. And my response was going to be, dude, they're going to win 12 games like they always do. They're going to be fine. Now, you were like me. We got to see it in the playoffs. But anybody who jumped off the Cowboys bandwagon last week who's like, Ah, this team's just not very good. Like they're nowhere close to Philly or San Francisco and <laughs> they're closer to the rest of the NFC. And how do you lose to Arizona? There's no way you're going to be that good if you can't even beat them. I'm just thinking like, don't get it twisted. This team is yeah. still really, really good. It's one of the most talented rosters in football. They still have the best point differential in football, yeah. despite losing a game. Like the Cowboys are still very, very good. So, you know, for a lot of people, ourselves included, show me in January but don't don't sleep on the Cowboys like no. they had a bad week. There's no way around it. This is still one of the best teams in the NFL. Knee jerk reaction, BK. That's oh, what we're I all guilty of it. Uh, we're all dude, guilty of it, dude. dude I, I I posted something on Twitter. Um, I think it was um, I don't know over the weekend or whatever. And some guy replies to me. Some dude with like 14 followers replies to me, and he's like, "Hey man, 
why don't you, hey, you suburban Mexican is what he actually called me. Mm. He's like, hey, hey, you suburban Mexican, why don't you take your son Alex out and buy him a, a, a cheeseburger? I'm like, Alex? Who's Alex? And then I started thinking, I'm like, oh, Alex Rodriguez. I'm like, okay, that that makes sense. So here's my reply. I'm like, no, he eats 20-piece nuggets. He is a growing kid. So, yes, I will definitely do that. But, yes, that 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 kind of is just one of those things from, from years of, uh, you know, from years of seeing this. And I've got a buddy, you know, we've been to so many different Cowboy games, you know, dating back to the Texas Stadium times. And, and we sit there and we go back and forth and, and you know, about, oh, man, here we go again but this really is but i mean look at yesterday i mean i, I know philadelphia a lot of people are, are handing this thing to philadelphia already in the east man they struggle with the commanders I, I mean that was that was a hell of a contest right there i mean i thought the commanders might actually find a way to knock them off but this this really is the nfl right now i, I mean you know we uh, Kansas City you know everybody a lot of folks are saying it's Kansas City and and the field no i don't think so i don't no. think so um I'll tell you, Sunday night. So Sunday night, I heard you do it. Um, <laughs> I don't have near the legs that that young lady does, nor will I ever. No. But um, let me tell you something right here. This um, Here's your test. Here's your test because San Francisco does seem to be the team right now that, that, that seems pretty complete. But look at the schedule so far. So this is a heavyweight battle that we get on Sunday night. So I think this is, this is going to be a hell of a lot of fun to watch right here. Yeah. And just think about the Cowboys wins, right? Jake just said it in the comments, like Philadelphia really struggled with that same new England team. Yeah. The Cowboys just beat by 35 yeah. uh, Kansas city last night. You talked about the chiefs and, and they should still be considered the favorites, I think, but come on. What did the Cowboys do against Zach Wilson and the jets? A couple of weeks ago, right? Mm -hmm. wasn't even close. And that game last night, hey, a very controversial call going the Chiefs' way to keep uh, to uh, keep them with the football or to keep the football in their hands. That probably makes more sense. Uh, <laughs> like the Chiefs nearly lost to the Jets last night. So, like, yeah, you know, everyone's dunking on the Cowboys for this and that. That's just life as a Cowboys fan. That's how it goes every single year. People are always going to take their shots at the star. But uh, this is uh, this is a good football team. And like you said, Sunday night. It'll go a long way into showing just how good this football team is. Because, yeah, I mean, San Francisco, look, them and Philly are the two 4-0 teams in the NFL. I think San Francisco has looked the best through the first month of the season. I don't have to tell anybody that uh, they've been the boogeyman for the Cowboys in recent no. years. So if you go into the Bay Area and find a win in front of everybody on Sunday Night Football, then you send another statement that, hey, maybe this year is a little bit different. And it's not just two teams at the top of the NFC that you need to be talking about. We're right there, too. Yeah, no doubt. And the beauty of yesterday was, I mean, I know we got into, you know, you get into the end of the game where things are out of control. But, I mean, to see Kevontae Turpin, you, you know, being a being a bigger part of this offense and making different plays and, and doing a bunch of stuff there and, and, and just with the wide receivers. I mean, obviously, C.D. Lamb is your guy. I mean, the tight ends. I mean, Jake Ferguson, you know, seven for 77, averaging 11 yards right there. That was going to be a question right there. You know, how, how do you fill the hole with, with, with Schultz being gone? who's actually making some nice plays for the Texans now. He's uh, kind of starting to pay off uh, uh, some of that right there. But, you know, with Michael Gallup and Tolbert and, and all the different guys, you see a lot of balance right there. You see a lot of different weapons right there. And and these are things, you know, where they're averaging 10, 11, 12 yards, whatever the case is, that that really affords Dak Prescott the opportunity, like I'm saying, where, where you're you're building this offense to, to, to use his skill set where it's at right now, to where it's not all on his shoulders. And, and – 
I did. I mean, I, I did feel a little bit yesterday for, for Zeke coming home. Uh, you know, it's like Zeke comes home and, and you come home and you get thrashed like that. It's like, man, seeing him on the sideline over there, it's like, God dang it, dude. Can, can you just hmm. come back over? Just come back over. Just sit on our sideline, man. It just just didn't feel right, you know. Had the feels there for him just a lit, little bit, a little yep. bit. Do you want him? I mean, it'd be cool having him on the sideline. We know he's well-liked and respected dude. by the dudes in that locker room, but I, I'm cool with the running back room right now. Those guys are playing well. It's good. No, uh, BK, I meant for a backup center, just in case the <laughs> center gets hurt. You know, oh, he God. can come back in. Too and, and soon, he, man. Come on. He, he can be the center, but he, oh. here's – I did see it. So tell me this. I saw that Jerry was talking about during the week, you know, with Zeke coming home. He's like, uh, I'm ready to put Zeke in the ring of honor. What about Jimmy Johnson? When the hell is that going to happen? Jeez Louise. Come on, man. Yeah. But um, anyway, uh, I, I don't know what, what's going to go on with that. Bill Belichick. Do you think the game is passing him by? Um, I see an exit. I see a graceful exit coming up maybe at the end of the year right here to where it's, it's going to be an amicable thing to where it's like, eh, we've both decided to kind of want kind of one of those uh, Jimmy Johnson, Jerry Jones thing to where it's like, I've decided I'm not going to be the coach of the Dallas Cowboys anymore. Um, Belichick, man, this is uh, and he never been whooped like that. He has no. never been beat like that. hell. He looked lost and that's pretty damn bad. Yeah, he he pulled Mac Jones pretty early yesterday, yeah. just looking for answers. But you said it, the worst loss for Bill Belichick in his coaching career, not just in New England. Like, that includes the Cleveland days, too. Yeah, the Cowboys put a whooping on him, and he did look confused as all get out on that sideline yesterday. Uh, do I think the game has passed Bill Belichick by? No, I do not. Um, do I think Bill Belichick, the GM, yeah. messed up and put Bill Belichick, the head coach, in a bad spot? Yes. Like, if Bill Belichick was working with the Cowboys roster, I'd feel a lot better about the Cowboys' chances than I do even right now. I just heap the praises on the Cowboys, and I feel like this team is a legit Super Bowl contender. But I could trade coaches with New England right now. I would in a heartbeat. Like, I, I still think with the right roster, Bill Belichick's going to find a way to maximize that talent and make them really, really good. And just, you, know, great. you, you need players. You need players. And the best coaches ever – They'll tell you, you can't win without good players. Right. And the Patriots just don't have enough good players right now. Uh, jury's still out on Mac Jones. The jury's not out about him not being as good as Tom Brady. Nobody is. And just overall, the, the talent on that Patriots roster, I'm not saying Belichick deserves to be absolved from all blame because he's the guy making those personnel decisions. But yeah. the talent, just it, it's not good enough anymore. So if Belichick leaves, if they do part ways and he wants to coach again, I think somebody should hire him, and I think somebody will hire him. And if it's the right spot, I still think he can be a great coach in this league. But New England, they just don't have the horses anymore. So yeah. uh, you could be right. You, we could be seeing that uh, break up at the end of this season. Yeah, it, it's one thing when you control when you control the the roster and what's going on on the field. And, and I do agree. I, I think that's the one part maybe to where he does need to take a step back. You know, whether it be there or, or somewhere else to to kind of just coach football. He's a he's a football coach. I mean, there's there's a lot of different uh, there's a lot of different folks. I mean, we've watched great coaches along the way that try to move into a roster controlling or to a GM role, and and it just doesn't work. I mean, it just doesn't work for them. They're just a football coach. I mean, I say just. 
Dallas. I mean, the, the, they know the X's and O's, and that's what's that's what's going to win you football games. Let somebody else let, let let somebody else go do that other stuff, and 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 you you do what you do best. You do what you do best. Hey, got to talk about another sponsor, of course. I always talk here on the show. I'm sitting here, in my raggedy leather chair that i bought i don't even know where it is all the fake leathers all peeled off i bought some of that tape to put on there and hell that don't even look right i need to call my friends great blue heron furniture because that is the good stuff right there a custom leather furniture company started back in 1991 you notice the things that i'm talking about right here 1991 1909 1988 these are businesses that have been in business for a long time and have been doing it right. They focus on heavy leathers, hides, and fabrics ranging from ranging from traditional Western to modern farmhouses. That's cool stuff right there. And let me tell you guys, this stuff is really, really good looking. It's beautiful. It's all also the highest quality that you're going to find. And when it comes to furniture, quality is also important because if you get junky quality, it's not going to last, hence the chair that I'm sitting in. Uh, you will not and cannot find anything more stylish, more comfortable, and well-built. That's the biggest thing. More well-built than you're going to find with Great Blue Heron Furniture. There's a link in the YouTube video description below that takes you to our Texas un, uh, uh, Texas Sports Unfiltered Collection. We have our own collection, guys. We have our mm. own collection. That's pretty damn cool right there. And if you use the promo code HOOKEM, you're going to get 15% off of your purchase. If you're looking for furniture that looks amazing and is built to last for decades, one spot, Great Blue Heron Furniture. They are going to be the ones to set you up. Click that link for more information or just pick up that old phone like in the old days. Pick up the old phone. Give them a call. 866-247-9688. It is Great Blue Heron Furniture. BK, before I get out of here, I do yeah. want to ask you. Um, Tua Tungavaloa, uh, Miami Dolphins, track team. Yep. Uh, Buffalo Bills, they're done. They're no good. Um Tua hasn't had very good luck against uh, Miami or against Buffalo. I, I think he was like 0-3. Well, now he's 0-4 because I, I think Buffalo answered a lot of questions. And when I was talking about teams in the NFL where, you know, shit happens. Shit happens. You saw what happened to the Cowboys. Well, here's Buffalo. I mean, you want to say Josh Allen, whatever. Uh, the Buffalo Bills answering some questions yesterday because they 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 knocked Cinderella's slipper off yesterday in that in that contest against the Dolphins. Well, Miami had a chance in this game until Friday. Did you <laughs> hear what happened on Friday? I did. Yeah, I did. I yeah. mean, the Buck decided to make the Dolphins his thousand unit thousand. lock of the week. Buck. And Jeez. as soon as that happened, I know what I did. I called my cousin and told him <laughs> to put some money on Buffalo, and I told our great. Listeners and viewers here on Texas Sports Unfiltered to do the same. So hopefully you did. And I'd like to thank Bucky Godbolt for just the gift of a free pick. And yeah, if you're a Bills fan, you better be thanking Bucky Godbolt too for uh, hooking you up with a free win on Sunday. Yeah. Buffalo's still good, man. Like everybody yeah. saw what happened on Monday night when Aaron Rodgers got hurt and they somehow lost that game to the Jets. That was a bad loss. And Josh Allen kept turning the football over. He did not play well. The Bills are still. Awesome. All right. I mean, 38 to 10 over the Raiders in week two, 37 to three over the Commanders in week three, and 48 to 20 over the Dolphins, who just put up 70 last week. Like this Bills team, that was a wake up call. They were embarrassed on Monday Night Football, and they have responded in a big, big way. So, yeah, this is still one of the best teams in the NFL. 
Josh Allen's still one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and yeah, to do what they did against a red-hot Dolphins team on both sides of the football, yeah. uh, incredibly impressive. Yeah, Buffalo's uh, the real deal, man. I still think Miami's fine. Yeah. Uh, maybe they'll get revenge in South Beach when they play a little bit later in the year. They're not going anywhere. They're still one of the better teams in football, too. Don't get me wrong. But yeah. anybody who tried to close the book on Buffalo after week one, he made a mistake. Yeah, yeah. Since, since that week one loss, they've been outscoring opponents 123 to 33. So, yeah, don't – um, yeah, Bill's Mafia. Don't count them out. That right there is absolute dominance, and and I think yesterday with that uh, statement win, statement win right there for the Bills um, over the Dolphins. Hey, uh, BK, before we go to hanging with Harge, and he's coming up uh, from 11 to 12, then you got the midday show, and of course we're going all day long, all the way to 5 o'clock right here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. Talk a little bit uh, about uh, what's confirmed so far for uh, Dallas this weekend, Texas, Oklahoma uh, taking on each other there in the Cotton Bowl, a couple of undefeated teams, top um, maybe 10 matchup i don't know how that's going to shake out but uh, talk about what's confirmed at this point and where we're going to be out and about absolutely so we will be doing a live roundtable broadcast in dallas on friday afternoon now got one phone call to make to reconfirm with the actual place but uh, we're going to be somewhere in dallas on friday and hopefully tomorrow i'll be able to let y'all know exactly where that's going to be and then, of course, all week long, we'll continue to tell you where we're going to be on Friday. But what we can confirm is where we'll be on Saturday. Saturday morning, pregame show, live from the fairgrounds at the Old Mill Inn, right by Big Tex. Oh, yeah, not outside of the fair, not at some bar. Hell, some radio station didn't even go into Dallas. That's oh. not a, That's not what we do. We want to be there. It's the biggest game of the year, so we're going to be there. The Old Mill Inn on the fairgrounds, right by Big Tex. So, you know, Saturday morning, if you're at the fair, getting your corny dogs, getting your fried food, getting your early morning beers, make sure you stop by and say hello to us. Bucky's going to be there. Trey's going to be there. I'm going to be there. I think Chip might stop by. I think Jeff Howe might stop by. We've got a full squad who will be there in Dallas with us for Texas and Oklahoma. So we'll tweet, we'll post, we'll let you know. You don't have to write this all down right now. But, yeah, we'll have a live presence on Friday afternoon. And then, of course, Saturday morning, the pregame show live from the fairgrounds. Going to be a hell of a lot of fun, Rodney. Yeah, man, that, that's going to be awesome. That is going to be awesome. I, I may come see. I, I think I told you I've got a race to call in Mesquite Saturday night. So I yeah. uh, might, might have to make the trip and uh, come see you boys and uh, check out all the cool stuff. Mike Torres asking, will we be showing the uh, Sark Presser on here? Man, we can't. We can't <laughs> yet. But but just wait. I mean, I mean, just wait. Um, I don't even know if that's on the radio. But who knows? Time will tell. Time will tell. Just, yes, just, indeed. Just hold, on. just hold on. And thank all of you guys for subscribing. I mean, up over 5,000. And what a great job, Brad, that you have done. I mean, the giveaways and folks. I mean, uh, folks checking in and subscribing. Subscribe, like, check in on Twix. I mean, guys, be a part of this. We are really excited of all the cool things coming up. Hanging with Hard just coming up. Speaking of things coming up, I'm sure he'll have some Texas talk. Oh, the Piano Man is back. The Piano Man with the uh, checkered flag shirt on, man. You celebrating Talladega? Or what the hell are you doing there, bro? Well, it's actually a pizza delivery service. You know what I'm saying? You boys <laughs> doing some pizza delivery. I got to make some extra money around this piece. Man. I hear you, brother. <laughs> I hear you, man. I mow lawns for fun. So, uh, yeah, to to totally get it, dude. What you got on tap today, brother? I'm just going to be doing some recapping. Obviously, it's OU Hate Week, and everybody's excited about that around here. We're going to talk a lot about the Texas Longhorns, what we saw, 
And we're going to talk about the Cowboys, the Texans, and, of course, Major League Baseball. I might hmm. even throw in that little NBA trade since people are having media days today. So hmm. we'll, we'll, we'll touch it all, fellas. We'll touch it all. Absolutely. It's going to be a great show. You guys hang out, hanging with Harge, noon or 11 to noon, my friend. Have a great show. BK, thanks for hanging out with me, brother. I appreciate it, man. Of course, man. This was fun. Hey, that's what a leader does. That's right. That's our that's Quinn right. Ewers right there. He's a leader. That's Makes cool. Happen. Great I, hair and all. Got a great haircut and all that stuff. Chaos theory. Because he went to a wedding. He had to clean up for the wedding. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, they're calling me fat. You're saying I need to lose 20 pounds? Hold on now. <laughs> uh, see you guys. This was fun. Get after Appreciate it, man. It.